Welcome to Ma's Garage. I'm Crick. Uh, I'm I'm Kev. And I'm Smokey. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about depression um, and and anxiety and joy. So grab a log and join us by the fire. Yeah. If you want to, that is. They probably don't want to. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they did. On an average month, what percentage of your time do you think is spent in a state of either depressive or like anxiety? Ooh, that's a good question. Per month? Yeah, just roughly. percent. What's roughly? Rough percentage? So I'm probably I'd go with probably 60, 70 for me. Go ahead, Smokey. I mean, obviously not counting the time that you're sleeping. Right. But you're waking for like in terms of a percentage of my waking hours. Eh, probably like. Fifty, fifty-five. Like not all the time, but certainly not none of the time either. Probably about half the time. I mean, I am pretty anxious about stuff that I got going on. It's because I have so much stuff going on, but it's not stuff that like depresses me or anything. It's all stuff that I'm looking forward to, like stuff that I'm excited about. But it's in right. the future, so that's why it's making you anxious, not depressed. That's true and it's stuff and it's and especially like walking around the house and seeing like projects that it's like it's not done but looking at it and i know what it's going to look like when it's done like that's what like excites me about doing it but it's i just don't feel like doing it at this moment right i I told kevin that a couple like day or so ago where i literally had the same thought at the same time and it was i'm doing nothing and then at the same time it's like i'm getting a bunch of stuff done so like there's this feeling in me that I'm not doing anything, but then I was going through my head of the actual things that I've been accomplishing. I'm like, no, you're wrong. Like it's easy to get caught up in that. It's probably the biggest combatant. It just depends on is reflection. Yeah. Pay attention to what you're actually doing, what you have done. Yeah. And Give it also depends. And I would say that it also depends a little bit on kind of what you're doing yeah 100 <laughs> percent. yeah i think my biggest issue is i get in my own head a lot and it's like you said smoke you see the end project but then it's like okay you start going through the steps like, well i don't really want to do that and if i want to do that i've got to do this first but then i've got to do this but then i've got to do this and now all of a sudden this one thing you wanted and you've got this stack of stuff that you've got to do to get that one thing. And most of it's not even relevant. And that's all stuff that piles up. Yep. And we've talked about it plenty of times, but the thing to solve that is lists. Cause then you have your order of priorities and like do, it's going to take you five minutes and then save the thing that's going to take you three hours. Right. You know, like lists are huge. Cause then it's in front of your face and you can actually dictate order of importance 
And it's something that you can have control over, that you can actually write out this list and you can add to, take stuff away, and you can keep order of what's going on with the list. Well, it's wild too. Is like, it helps when you do it. It helps when you write it down. But sometimes I've noticed when I do stuff too, is like, I'll make this thing in my head, this big obstacle, this big task that's, I just don't want to even approach. But then when I finally approach it, it took me like 20 minutes, 45 minutes and it's done. And I've been putting it off for months. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why didn't you just do that months ago? The time that I've wasted being anxious about it is now hours, hours. And I could have just knocked it out in 20, 40 minutes. And it's because we're comfortable with what we're doing. And if it's not like a top priority, then it just doesn't get prioritized. That's where I think there's, I was thinking about that today. There's a big difference between comfort and like happiness. Like comfort yeah. is just a state of like sedation. Like where happiness is an actual, like you're okay with where your state is. Yeah, you could definitely look at it that way. I think happiness could also be, I mean, one's an emotion, one's a feeling. Like you can't feel comfortable as an emotion. True. Comfort can, they don't have any happiness. They don't have a comfort emoticon where it's someone that's just happy on a house. (laughs) You can be comfortable with somebody emotionally. Oh, absolutely. In that respect. It's not an emotion. But yeah, it's it's like what we were talking about with verbs and pro or adverbs and all those, you know, they're complementary. They help right. each other do create the other, refine each other. And you could definitely even say that you can be happy and not be comfortable. You can also be comfortable and not happy. Yeah. I feel like that's the way a lot of people are these days is that they're comfortable and because they're comfortable, they're not happy because they're, they, they just, they have a feeling of stuck. They have a feeling of what more can I do? Like, I don't want to be comfortable. I want to be doing this and I want to be doing that. But then as soon as they start like going outside of their comfort zone, they start getting burned by things they didn't plan for or foresee that it just starts deterring them back into that comfort zone because it's how oh, in my comfort zone, I don't get burned. But I, I walk, I walk out that door and someone shoots something at, right by my forehead. Okay. Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe not today. Just maybe not back today. into the safe space. <laughs> it's they were my, I did my exercises finally again today after a while hiatus, but she was even saying that today, she's like, when you're uncomfortable, when it's hard, that's when you're learning and growing. When you're mm-hmm. comfortable, you're not growing, you're not learning, you're comfortable, you're in that state. It's like when you're uncomfortable, when you want to quit, when you don't want to keep going, that's when you need to keep going. That's when you're actually learning. That's when you're actually progressing yourself. Is when you're complacent. It's, yeah. it's almost like assuming that you know everything already, right? Right. And that's where Def- I think. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's where that relates back into like depression, anxiety, because it's like they're always going to be there, but it's being comfortable in those situations and how to learn from them instead of being, this needs to stop. I need to stop feeling like this. It's like, how do you learn from that situation? You can't let fear drive you away from doing those things too, for the fear or even the failure of it. You know, it's like you said, that's how you learn. That's how you grow. If if you don't ever fail, you don't know. 
at the same time, working on those things and like seeing them completed could bring you happiness. Like then you have that feeling, you have that feeling of accomplishment. Like I accomplished all these things. I did all these things. I grew this much as a person because I've accomplished all these things that I can actually like talk about that things that can like move me forward. It's stuff that can actually like be a positive thing as opposed to being a negative thing. Exactly. If you, everything we've ever learned, no risk, no reward. And in this Mm -hmm. case, the risk is your happiness. You're either going to be successful Mm -hmm. and be happy, or you're going to fail and it could bring you down, but it's all about how you take those results too. And like you said, Craig, it's how you learn from it. You have to learn something. And embrace it. Like the same thing with fear, the dude who's going down the mountain on a snowboard, even if he's a professional, there's still that element of fear. They've just learned to overcome it. They've learned their their confidence and their belief Mm -hmm. in themselves overcomes the fear. And so there's always going to be that state of fear. You're not escaping that. It's what do you do in those states? It's that mindset that you adopt that, just no fear, looking straight, eyes on the prize, focused on the goal. But that's right. I, that's what I used to do is I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. But I don't think that's the, and that's at least what I'm learning now is I don't think that's the point though. You are afraid. That's fine. That's fully human and acceptable. So you are afraid. It's just, I'm still going to keep stepping forward, even though I am shaking yes. my boots. I think, and I think they look at it more of like, just no, not being afraid of failure. Like I'm going to do this. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to learn. If it works out. Awesome. Right. Be afraid of the right things. Right. Like, and especially you, you think about like professional athletes that they have so much going through their minds when they're doing their, when they're, when they're doing their sport, their craft, whatever you want to call it. And so many of them that you talk to, like, how do you, how do you keep a clear mind? Just stay focused. Don't let all the distractions deter your focus. Know what your job is, know what your role is, know what you need to do and just breathe and do it. And don't think about it too much because as soon as you start thinking, you start thinking about it too much and you start doing other things and start, and you don't do it as automatic. So it's more forced. And then like you said. So that, that yeah, dude. And I was Go just going to say, when you do that, it's, you know, you make that first mistake because you get in your head and now you're dwelling on that mistake, which makes you mm-hmm. lose focus on something else. And then the mistakes start compiling on top of each other. And before you know it, you're, you're too far into your head. You can't get out. That's my issue. though, is even when the, like, the rational fears get in the way that aren't even like project oriented, where like, like when I was in New York at Val's apartment, she's like, come check out the balcony. Come check out the view from out here. I'm deadly afraid of heights. Like, so I barely made it out to the center of her like patio. And I was just struck with anxiety of like, it's this weirdest thing. It's, it's like, cause there's a ledge and it's like, you don't want to fall off that. But there's like the second right. thing that's just like, wait, wh- why are you thinking about jump? You're not going to jump. Like what? It's You're just this gonna. weird, like. <laughs> But what if you did? But what if I have it? Yeah. What if I like decided just, am I going to do something stupid? And it's like all, and like all these things go through my head and it's an irrational, it's a rational fear. That's heights. We're not meant to be up there. (laughs) I mean, say that to the people that are in the skyscrapers, 50 floors building that stuff yeah yeah think about the window the window cleaners that are just like suspended on like this like conveyor that they're like going from side to side and i'm just like oh 
if that carabiner doesn't last, right, they're done for. And they've conquered that fear in some way. But for me, it's literally debilitating. I couldn't even go enjoy that full view because I was so just stricken with anxiety. Like even right now, my hands are sweating just thinking. <laughs> I didn't realize you were so afraid of heights. I think it's because I, when I climbed the tree, you, I broke the leg. And you climbed mountains. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's the cliff thing. It's like heights is not bad, but it's when I know there's a, like, oh, it's when you're I can at, stare at a on window. the edge. Mm-hmm. There's like, a potential a a that building. you could fall off. Right. Exactly. You. Exactly. And, and it, like your mind, I'm fine. I don't know. And your mind just kind of goes to like that final destination that, oh God, I'm going to step out on this ledge. And then as soon as I step out, it's going to break one of the screws and the whole thing's just going to come down. Yep. Like Murphy rears his one. ugly head. Uh huh. There's going to be a big gust as soon and as I'm standing next to it. Especially when you have <laughs> that fear in your mind. Like that's, that's what's running through. Like people that, have, pe- people that have those, those rational fears, like that's what's going through their mind. Especially like think about people that have like arachnophobia. Like there's some people that are like, oh, spiders are our friend. Like you don't have to kill spiders. There are some people that are like, if that spider even looks at me, I need to shoot it. Like it needs right. to die. Like Bad. you unload a can you, of hairspray with you a have on. Yeah, you have you have acknowledged my existence, and I need to eliminate yours now. Mm-hmm. There's people like that with that's, dogs and stuff too. Mm-hmm. It's almost giving the spider control over you. Bit, but. They become your marionette. If they have that much power over you and they're that small, though, it's that's the part that astounds me Mm -hmm. is that something which I mean, poison is poison. Don't get me wrong. Not every spider is poisonous. That's what's nice about it. The ones that are not, which is like 80 80 percent of spiders, they're literally like this big. It's like you, you could just like hold it in your finger and just be like, how you doing, little guy? that's where it's it's programmed in us like that's like a, a primal instinct that spiders are bad and it's probably more maybe what region your ancestry came from because it's the same thing with cats and cucumbers you know what i mean why when you ever see those videos of the cat with the cucumber behind it where they freak out you guys ever see those i have not if you put mm-hmm. a cucumber behind a cat like when it turns around and sees it it'll lose its crap and just like take off and go out of the room and they think it's because they think it's a snake like it's just uh, all the sadness uh, associates that shape with that of a with, snake and just spazzes out and takes off not every single cat but most cats will freak out with the cucumbers. maybe cats know something about cucumbers we don't <laughs> right right <laughs> next time i'm home i'm gonna have to experiment on my mother's cats mm-hmm. cats don't like water and that's like 90 percent water right <laughs> that's why. maybe that's what it is is that a water balloon <laughs> they're like that's a big old water figure get out of here I don't want nothing it's to gonna get that. me wet <laughs> yeah it's this primal it's the same thing with heights it's it's ingrained it's not good to fall off a large cliff like oh definitely not. society so it's like it's plugged so then, in what's your thoughts on skydiving oh i don't want to there's like part of me that wants to to overcome the fear yeah i but get then it there's like part of me that's why risk it there's so many things that i want to do and people do die quite often skydiving so it's like why risk it for the biscuit if all it's going to do is conquer my thing of fear but it could end my shit and know. people do it on a daily basis every day yeah but i most people that i know 
who do it also know somebody who's died from it personally. Mm, that's like interesting. It's, it's, I, I can't say that common. about myself. Just because it's like, I don't know, like just there's failures. Like if something fails up there and if both your well, shoots fail, I don't know. And the best of my knowledge is they have like multitudes of tests that they have to do all the equipment through before every single run. Depends which place you that. go to. <laughs> and you have to put in a in ton a credited, of hours before you're allowed to do it by yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And an actual like credited place that's not like your Uncle Bob taking you up in a duster. Right. I've done parasailing like off a boat. That was actually really fun. It wasn't scary at all. But that's there's water. Yeah, there's water. God forbid. God forbid something happens. Ah, splash. Cannonball. You know. God, that really hurt my butt. (laughs) But yeah, it's that's where it's weird. It's like I'm afraid of heights, but not in every single situation. Like if I don't know. That's wild. That yeah, like you said that it doesn't affect you for flying. Like my first time flying. Like, that's what was running through my mind was the final destination. Like, oh, God, this this plane's going down and I'm in the back and I'm so screwed. Right. I, I get that sometimes. But now I just what am I going to do? Like, yeah. if the plane's starting to go down, what what, what am I going to have? Do? Yeah. Like, so I yeah, just I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just going to have to play this by the minute. And if we go, if we start going down, then I'm just going to have to start praying. <laughs> right. I mean, what's, what do you think that, what their solution is if the plane was start to start going down? What do you think they do? I mean, what good is the freaking slide to let you out? How many parachutes? Yeah, they they, um, for water. That's all I know. All the, right? all the, all the emergency precautions are like, if we have an emergency landing and we have to land in like a lake, it's like, uh, well, what happens if you're like dead ass going over a cornfield? Like. I'm not sliding out this plane into a giant ass cornfield. Like that's not going to feel awesome. (laughs) Why do you think they don't give you directions on what to do in that case? (laughs) Figure it out. They just tell you where the exits are. (laughs) There's nothing you can do in that case. Literally. There is going to be no slide coming out. If you crash into a cornfield. Yeah. It's It's done. Very, very rarely do people make it out of landing and crashes on the ground. Like it happens. I think it de- it would depend on how the plane's being landed. Like it, like uh, there, when there's been like emergency landings, when like the landing gear won't deploy. True. Yeah. If it's not like a engine out kind of dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they say though too. Is like the, the like the lock your head and do the cannonball is actually meant to like it's not to help you. That's to make sure you like die on impact. So <laughs> yeah, that, just like, <laughs> right there. Just make yeah. it quick. Well, ne- they. Oh they God, never well, thought about it that one. They pay less in a lawsuit of act or of like negligent death compared to taking care of an injured person for the rest of that person's life. Yeah, that so makes sense. Sure do. Do. Yeah. Oh, never thought so that way. Never thought about it. So like anyone that ever price. anyone has any questions, please direct them to your stewardess, <laughs> and the stewardess just like get the out of here. <laughs> If we're crashing, pull out the pistol underneath your chair and point it directly at your face. <laughs> See, and now that's where if if you're gonna die anyway, is it like considered suicide still? I don't know. Like if you have a zero percent chance of living, probably every everyone sequentially every pulls day, out though. a pistol. All right, now <laughs> turn to your neighbor. Well, that's where I'm that saying up- I I want to jump out the door. Like if we're all going down, <laughs> let me just kind of free fall. I want to see what that feels like. There's gotta be be a bird before I die. 
Which yeah, could happen. A lot of people gotta get sucked out if you're somewhere. somewhere. Like if you're holding right? your plane rips open, you'll be outside of the plane. <laughs> just take oh, off yeah, your seat. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, when yeah. they when, when they show that happening in cartoons, they're not exaggerating. That actually happens. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've seen it. I've seen I've seen it reenacted in plenty in enough movies to see that it's it's real. Right. Well, that's I think that's another thing too, where a lot of our anxieties come from is how Hollywood paints a lot of this stuff. No kidding. And especially when we're watching these movies like Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Right. Stuff that's supposed to like scare the tails out of us. We're, I'm, I still it. panic every time I go behind a car with some or a truck with something on top of their truck. Like that's going to fly back and that's going to kill me. I nope. always get like this very quick flash every time I walk onto an elevator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like just taking that first step and just that slight difference in weight on that and i'm just like oh man and i've been and i've been stuck in two elevators so i mean that was that was fun that probably doesn't help <laughs> no not as much yeah like just going down and then um hello <laughs> this is where i live now <laughs> home sweet that's home the, that's the p corner <laughs> They, they say bugs, the you got a corner like, of bugs. Well, that's why that's the pee corner. That's the poop corner. <laughs> this is my corner. <laughs> that's the free corner. <laughs> the poop attracts the flies so you have food. Right. <laughs> got another one. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, you know? They, they say, though, one of the things I've heard, though, why we're drawn to that, like, depressing, just, like, anxiety-driven content is because our brain, like, uses all that as lessons because every time you watch that in your mind you go what would i do how would i get out of that how would that not happen to me so like we crave those ones and zeros and those things so we could like put ourselves through those situations and try to learn how to uh what we would do in them and that's very apparent when you watch the movie with people who are saying well come on you idiot don't go in there the ones that are like in the back of the theater oh i knew he was behind that door (laughs) i told you i would have grabbed a gun i would have had a baseball bat like why don't you have any kind of weapon on you like what are you going to do like right we're driven we like that state like we enjoy the state of depression we enjoy you know what i mean like that's where we like sometimes i feel like we need to embrace that state and we do it with music we do it with like the content we watch like there's sometimes where i just really like want to watch darker stuff or a little bit more like i don't know yeah just a little more darker morbid stuff. uh like bleak no hope kind of right. things right you know and it's just to understand that that side some people really really enjoy the like the scary movies around like the halloween season like my old roommate like especially going like the month leading up like probably the like i say month but like the four weeks leading up to halloween it was just scary movie after scary movie after scary movie and he was just watching them all the time you could hear it because they were well my room was right next to his so i could hear his tv (laughs) and uh just listening to these people just getting killed and killed and killed and killed and killed uh it was right like what is how does that some people really really enjoy those movies and yeah that's a movie about like getting like mutilated getting killed a thriller the people don't live like whatever you innate whatever you want to call it sometimes they live 
that's where I feel like you have to balance that content though. It's just like, I used to listen to a lot of like screamo and heavy metal and punk and like darker kind of music all the time. That's just all I really listen to. But now it's like, I can't, like, I don't want to be in that mind state right now. I want to be, I'm positive. I want to be positive. And it's like, if I go listen to like angry stuff or depressive stuff, no, I, I do that when I'm already in that state to accentuate it, to like fully like embrace that state. You know, you don't want to get stuck in that state. At a point you're just listening to the music and you're just like, this person's just screaming at me. I can have anyone do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I could get a girlfriend if I wanted that. <laughs> Significant. I'll get, I can get a partner. Yeah. A partner. Maybe depression is something that, like you said, to embrace it, you can use that as, okay, this is where I am. This, if I don't want to be here, what do I need to do to get out of this? Or what put me here in the first place kind of thing. Do you think yeah. we always need to get out of it when we're in it? I don't think we need to. I think society tells us you shouldn't be like that, but I think depression can be healthy sometimes. Like it, it makes you human, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like depression is like the extreme of the low end of having negative emotions. And then <clears throat> When you hit that point, you can't go much lower. So that's when you start thinking and going higher. Right. It, that's the hope anyway. That's where some people and long, and, soak in there too long. And that's the thing that if you soak in that, if you soak in this, in those low emotions too long, it starts to bleed into you. Like mm -hmm. it's okay. It's like, I, I feel like it's okay to have depressed thoughts every now and then because every human probably has depressed thoughts like even just like seeing someone drive by your house in a ferrari you're gonna feel a little bit depressed because you don't you're not that person that's driving that ferrari but then you can also think like what can i do to be that person you can look at it to motivate you to push you to inspire you right that's right. You got to be careful, though, not being comfortable in it, because I feel like what happens with myself, at least, is like, sometimes I get depressed about the fact that I'm depressed. Like, why I just want to be happy? Why can't I feel happy when I'm feeling this way? And it's like, so more creates that spiral of depression where you're, I, why am I not out of this? How do I get out of this? I can't get out of this. But it's like, it could be that spiral of depression. Could that be seen as an oxymoron? <laughs> yeah it sounded probably. like really meta for a minute right i was gonna, I was gonna say i'm depression. so depressed because i'm so depressed and i'm so depressed because i'm so depressed right and it's like yeah because you don't feel like you said it's not society doesn't make it okay like mental health is a really it's getting better but it like mental health was such a taboo thing in society it and it's like to tell people you're depressed or to tell people you're not feeling it to tell people you're not in it well there's something wrong with you maybe we should you know do something about them like it's like no we all feel that way we're just most people don't talk about it i feel like a lot of people would just side on or they would err on the side of oh they're depressed send them to the clinic right this person, like it's just the grocery this store this person needs pills this person needs attention this person needs this this person needs that send them to the clinic and or there's just even the ones that are just like it's human. okay everything will be all right it's like i know that you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's weird I, how in a depressive state, you can know better. You know things are all right, but it's like, 
you still don't it's, believe it even right, though you know so it's energy yeah it's just like you logic right it's like don't tell me what i already know <laughs> what do you think i'm stupid too am i stupid god you just made me more <laughs> depressed because you tried right. to cheer me up stop trying to help me <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned that because I know that there's like services that like if you're feeling depressed, call this hotline, you'll get like a person that's supposed to be like energetic and positive and like talk you out of this depression. And I think to myself, how can you talk someone out of depression when you don't know that person's situation? Yeah, like, like, yes, they can tell you all the details, but at the end of the day, you're not that person. Like you're just they won't share all the details. And you're just going off of like what they're telling you, your interpretation and your bias in that interpretation. So you're telling this person that's literally feeling very negative about themselves, like have a positive spirit. You got this. Like there just needs to be a better way of, of communicating to that person when not telling them stuff that's just going to be like, uh, another one. Right. I call this number and maybe one day I'll actually get someone that that wants to have a real conversation and not just tell me things that I don't want to hear. I think you nailed it on the head with that. It's we want to do something besides telling them. And what's the opposite besides telling them, but listen, like that'd be a way to help them get out of their depression is just listen and ask questions. And because a lot of times, like when you hear it out loud, the things that you're like over-exaggerating in your head, they start to go away because you realize how, over exaggerated they sometimes, are yeah so sometimes you huge. just need that opportunity to get it out in the air Vent right it, right and not be judged for it right mm-hmm. like, especially when something traumatic happens like you need to like you need the validation of other people that it's not normal like that no it's okay that you're feeling depressed because that was a really messed up thing that happened to you that's that's okay <laughs> like be sad that's why people see therapists and therapists take advantage of their emotional cavity. We could, we could be that as friends though. You know what I mean? Like you can just hear somebody out of some, like we've done that too. We're some like problems with exes, problem with this, where we're just, you know what I mean? Like, yo, I just need to talk. Like, this is just, I'm at what's end. You're just bawling. You're crying. Like after your emotions just going crazy. And you're just like, I just hate to talk to somebody. Usually probably drunk a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and you're just a mess and it's like okay to be a mess that's life life is chaotic and crazy and once yeah. in a while it slaps you in the face like no one is perfect even even these eccentric billionaires in our society they've all got stuff happening to them they are just in a position that they have other things going on to combat it better because they can i, I don't know about that i feel like some of the most richest people are some of the most depressed uh, we wouldn't know that, unless we actually talked to them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Right? Some of the ones that I've met out here from being around more money, it is like a very depressive state. Like one person I met, like they hit it big when they were young and now they're just like an excessive, like alcoholic and drug addict because they felt like they peaked. They felt by the, when they made all this money at like 18, that they've done it now. What else do they do? So now it's just this, like, and I was talking to their mom and everything and their moms just doesn't know what to do for them because it's like, they've been successful, but it's like, and one of my friends put it a good way. Well, that's not the only thing that they can master. You know what I mean? Just mastering the business world. Isn't the only thing in life that you can achieve. So it's like, find a new goal to achieve instead of looking at your past successes. And it's a good combatant to depression is uh, setting goals, you know, 
give yourself multiple goals to try out attainable goals yeah yeah and a lot of the people that are in that state of i peaked like they can look at it as that was just the first goal like you 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 peaked at this mountain and when you get to the top of the mountain and you look out what do you see the tops of other mountains Mm -hmm. it's that tunnel vision this person's like in their 40s like early 40s like we're going into their 40s and it's like this is what yeah. they've been doing for the last 10 years. You know what I mean? They're stuck in that state, that tunnel they're, vision. They're comfortable. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're comfortable with what they have. And as long as nothing is going to stop it, then they don't have to put any focus into trying to stop what's going to try and stop it. And I think about the anxiety they got to run with too. Think about the anxiety of being a CEO of a large company or being a, like, there's a lot more anxiety. Just being a store manager is ang- anxiety ridden so well just having responsibility Mm -hmm. yeah like as a kid you don't have responsibility for a reason yeah or you don't have too many responsibilities for none at first you're right like there's no responsibilities when you're first born it's fully given to you it's fully stacked on they see how you do with it unless you have a military baby that you're just right. like teaching them how to wash the dishes at like five months <laughs> gotta build you can, body strength you can dry i will wash you dry hold towel stop trying next time you do both though <laughs> so you better be watching when it comes when, when your birthday comes around the corner tommy by birthday i mean when you turn six months old <laughs> your half birthdays count <laughs> birthday nuts to think about maybe that's all it is is you replace depression with anxiety to get out of a depressed state you have to make yourself more anxious because then that means you're actually looking at the future you're not dwelling on the past you kick your anxiety into like overdrive where it just starts spinning faster (laughs) so then it it, you can't even the mud yeah you can't even stop to focus on the negative because you're just going so fast you're just (laughs) looking at the positive this where i kind of like someone had told me this recently and now i kind of see it as they're two they're the same thing but they're two sides of the same coin like depression is just depression is just related to the past it's about past experience or things that have happened to you and anxiety is the future it's things that haven't happened yet or things that going to they give you a a similar feeling and string like strum the same string in your brain but one's about things that haven't happened you know well what if you're also in a situation that you feel is outside of your control and you just, in order to continue to live your life, that's just something that you have to deal with, but it's something that's extremely detrimental that you just. Can't feel anything good because of this overweighing burden i could be wildly wrong here but i feel like there's no situation that you can in some way improve like you can't take some slips to make even your worst situations a little bit more bearable for the bright side yeah so i feel like you can still like it's still a crappy situation and yeah maybe you'd be stuck in it for a reason but you can make it more bearable you can do confrontations or maybe there's different things that you're not doing that you could help make it a little bit more bearable you know i would agree with that as well and depending on what the option like 
when you're, I, I feel like when you're in a situation, no matter what the situation, you always have to look at what your options are and compare what those different options are, compare what the different results of those options are and do a pro and cons list. So people that are in a negative situation, like you said, they're typically is, like, no one is just a statue that they can't do anything or control anything. Like you have human emotion, you have human intelligence that you can consciously make your own decisions. Right. And typically the people that feel like they have no options, it's because they refuse to accept the one or two options that can truly move them forward. And they have their reasons. And it could be fear. They could be afraid of making that step. You know what I mean? Like it comes to mind as someone in an abusive relationship who has kids who mm -hmm. wants to make the step to leave that, but doesn't want it. Doesn't know about the retaliation or things like that. That's a hard doesn't, situation. To put doesn't in. want to put that thought into the other that they want to leave from because of their fear of that, of that other and their right. fear of what that other can do to the people that they care about, i.e. their children. But sometimes if they can make that leap and get away from them and, you know, find solitude and, you know, like they can get out of that situation. Well, it's happened with a lot of people, you know, nine out of 10 times, people will tell you that you have to get out of that situation. And mm -hmm. anyone is going to say, yes, you have to get out of that situation. And talking to the people that are in that situation, that's the last, like they want to, but they just don't want to be the ones that make that conscious decision. They almost it seems like they want someone to make that decision for them. Like in the, in the yeah. case, in the case of someone else putting the <clears throat> creative energy into thinking how to leave a situation, they don't want to do it. They want someone else to do it for them. And those people that when you're in a situation and you refuse to figure out how to get yourself out of it, I'm sorry the cards that you have been dealt, you have been dealt for a reason and there is no new hand. Like you have to, you have to work with the cards you're dealt with. You can't just trade your hand for a new hand. And at some point you have to take responsibility, right? You have to take responsibility to take the action yourself. Right. And then they, you could see however them taking that responsibility, the decisions that they make, the decisions that they recruit someone to do all the thinking for them, or the decisions that they choose to stay in that situation that is truly toxic for them, but in their opinion, not toxic for the rest of the people. In my opinion, they don't do it in a sense that they don't want to be creative or come up with the idea. I feel like they just want plausible deniability with their partner. Because then if it all hits the fan, then they can say, oh, well, I wasn't, they just, they saw this and they said it was this because like with someone in that situation, the partner who's manipulating and abusing, like they're good at what they do. You know what I mean? They're literally fearing this person, they're programmed, their mind, they have them under this like sense of control. They like can believe that they They'd can become do these a marionette. Exactly. The puppet master. They're so good at just getting in their brain and making them fear that they know who they're talking to. They're friends with everybody. They're like, it's dude, it's wild how these people just can get into these people's brains and manipulate them. And it's like, they want to lay out. And it's like, they know that if it falls back on them, then they're only going to get it twice as bad because they are trying to yep. leave. And they're, they're, know? they're scared of the first level. 
So they don't even want to imagine what a second or a third level could be. Right. They want to keep what they've got now is more bearable than that second or third level in their mind. The part that gets me is when these people just go to social mediums and just talk and crave and beg for the attention. You see all these people propose these ideas of how to help, like how to actually, oh, well, thanks for the, oh, well, thanks for the, oh, well, it's like, what's the purpose of what we're, like, like, what's the purpose of what we're doing here? Like, you asked us for help, we're giving you the help, oh, well, thanks for the thought, but I can't. Yeah. Well, it's easy, just like everything, it's easy to make excuses. Super easy, especially if it's something you don't want to do. Like, Even if it's something you want to do, it's right. so easy to talk yourself out of it. Especially when you just have these social mediums that you can contact hundreds of people simultaneously. Like that's what I feel like a lot of anxiety these days is attributed to is our social mediums, our Facebook, our Instagram, our TikTok, like seeing what all these other people are doing that what? we are also not doing. That's too, like, I mean, I could be wrong because I don't pay attention to all of them, but like, I feel like a lot of that you see more is like females reaching out about like the abuse, but there's not that same kind of women window for, well, they're getting better, I guess, but for males, like, cause I've, I myself have been in relationships with just some abusive women and I've known friends and things like that who have been in relationship, with just abusive women. But when you go tell someone like, so like your girlfriend hitting you, it's just like, Okay. Like people yeah. don't take man as up. much as weight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Man up. Like, like, so what am I supposed to do? Like my girlfriend's swinging at me and then I stop, I grab her wrist so that it doesn't hit me, but then going to jail. <laughs> the force that I apply, she, you can now see an imprint on her wrist. And now she goes to the police and says, he grabbed and harmed me. Look at these marks. And it's like not even the said, force that you applied; it's the jail. force that she applied. Mm-hmm. Yep. Swinging at you, down, like, yeah. Like, there have been a lot of cases like, that I'll read through the story, and like they prove that the guy was innocent. And I'm just like, need more stories like this because there's so many more stories of the woman that just manipulated the guy, and the guy was just completely set up. Right. Well, there's 100 true rape stories, but there's a lot of stories that come out where people will take people to court for rape and then come out and say that no it just never happened they made it all up and it's like you and could I have am, ruined this person's entire life and I now you just get off scot-free like i am still a firm believer that falsifying a rape claim should get you a life sentence yeah it it should. Should. look you at all the time you've wasted because you've basically given a life sentence to someone that didn't deserve it because they didn't commit the act and you're showing I, your character. If you're, if you can, if you're capable of doing that to somebody, what else are you capable of doing? Right. That should yeah, be like you, a definition. You are literally clause. using your emotional power over someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To ruin like, their life. That's a that's a that's what's really messed up, man. Is that you could be this civil, rational person, and all of all all the other person has to do is damage themselves in a way that appeared that you damaged them and then 
go and express those emotions to someone that's going to pay attention and get mm -hmm. the attend get the attention of the right person that can do something about it right now. Yeah. And if they're good at just like that manipulator partner, they're good at playing the game and they're good at turning on the waterworks and they're good at that manipulation tactic. Oh, they'll win it. They'll just kill it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like people, we all practice things to get good at. Exactly. And it's like people jump on the first story they hear, like if they already got you all ready to go and stand up against this, this terrible person, like it's going to be hard for that person to change your mindset. You know, that's why I, I almost feel like the only way to like combat these people is to essentially manipulate them without them knowing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what you do. You use their ego against them. Like that's the best way to beat a narcissist or people like that is use their ego against them. That's the only way because mm -hmm. they don't listen to anything else. That's right. Like, Everything's like, got to be their idea. Some of my friends are very that's narcissistic and I'm just, yep, hey, you're right, I, man. I don't appreciate right. that. You are a hundred percent. You, why the hell, who am I? Why would I say, if I say anything that you're like, who am I to question that? Why you would be wrong? Like hundred percent. Mm -hmm. That's where it's like, oh, you remember when you were saying that we should go do this? That was a good idea. We, we should totally do that oh yeah, 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 yeah it's like boom like you're never even had a conversation about it <laughs> no never no but they're like they get so enthralled their ego gets so boosted they don't care i did Someone, come up with that idea that's right oh yeah and you yeah. like it let's do that it's like all right man <laughs> i don't want to have to do that but it's so wild when you like you can't they won't it's hard for some people to accept other people's ideas when they're like that so it's like if you're trying to get something done and you just need to get it you don't even need the credit you just need it to be done you know what i mean like it's a slower route and what kind of society creates the result of that i think it's this shuttered society we've created where we can't talk about mental health we can't talk about actually how we feel we can't talk we can't show weakness we can't you know what i mean like everything same... has to be so politically correct right and and everything has to have a definition to it yeah yeah you have to be right yeah you have to be and right. definitions are the definitions or at least know what right is like what the right answer is and yes probably more what you side with but that's the thing is there's so much stuff there is no right answer stuff the answers to things are they're even in science books and stuff are changing constantly so it's like why do we got to be right like why do we have to be overall end of world why is it right? so important yeah like i don't know just be open just don't have so much definition behind the things that you say you don't have to be so this is how it is it's like to my understanding this is what we know so far mm -hmm. let's go from there like, it's funny because all you have to do is just throw in a few extra words and the, what you say sounds so much better than what you're actually trying to say. Right. Or it yeah, can make it a completely it different thing of what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. But you can also find people out by that. Like if you, like that's how politicians are. And that's where they know the crap on me because you can say so much without saying anything. All you're saying mm -hmm. is filler. All you're saying is pretty words and it works for some people. But once you know what they're doing, it's like that's just oh i can't it drives me nuts just to hear it's like dude i just do listen to you for five minutes and know nothing i've learned nothing i'm no i asked you a question and you didn't even bring up the question once no no yeah and in in that respect definitely but i'm talking about more of 
like someone just speaking a hundred percent like their feeling and like what's on their mind as opposed to like the context around what they're feeling and what's on their mind so that it's perceived better. You're saying, why don't we give more context to our feelings? In some cases, like I'm the kind of person that I catch myself doing this all the time where I'll be talking to someone and I'll hear what they have said. I will repeat it exactly as they have said, like five to 12 times. And then I put it into my own words. And, and every time I do that, I am always adding or subtracting a few words here and there. And I always find myself a victim of it. And I blame my schooling because I've had so much schooling on communication and proper communication that I feel like it just, I do that subconsciously. But I also feel like sometimes it gets in the way of me trying to have effective communication because I always look at it as they don't have effective communication when I have to correct it. And is it correcting too, though? Or is it just saying it in a way that it makes sense to you, right? It's correcting it in my mind. It's reshaping it into my interpretation and what I feel is the correct way of saying it. And that I've had to catch myself and stop myself consistently doing that because I have to, re- I have to keep in mind that not everyone has had the same level of communication training and schooling that I have had. So I have to put myself on people's equal level when I'm communicating with them. That though, I think like, like you have to be careful with that because like very careful. conversations are like art or just like anything else. Like there's not, you were taught that context of how to speak you're taught that interaction but if you go to try to talk all that proper and like in the middle of like the hood or something like that like you have to know your audience you're not going to have that respect there's a different way of talking and it's the same thing like get her done was a million dollar like catchphrase that's not proper grammar that's not get it done then it's get her done it's like it's their own way of getting across the message you know what i mean so it's Mm -hmm. like if you understood what they said and the way that they said it to you, you know what I mean? What's wrong with the dialect? What's wrong with the verbiage? Like we don't need to correct and hone everything. And I've even found myself doing that with art more. I'm more critical of art and like, Oh, I would have changed this or I would have done that over there. And it's like, I didn't do this. Why, why do I care what they're doing? I'm enjoying it. I don't, don't need to fix it. Like take it at face value. Right. Right. How, how, Let's how not make I it know deeper best. than it needs to be. Yeah. Like. That's that is good. Is, that's, it goes back to the anxiety and overthinking things. Right. I see that constantly too. And that's where it's, that's something that I battle with. And I had a friend ask me about that. It's like, who gives you all these standards that you're, that you're trying to keep up with and juggle and all that. And I was just like, I mean, it's me, I think, like, I guess it's probably pre-set in stuff from the past and all this other stuff, but it's like, that's where ones and zeros, right? It's like, oh, I have to do this and I have to be like this and I have to be nice to this person. I can't respond to this. And it's like, just be in the moment and act, you know what I mean? Just like, at the end of the day, apologize when you make a mistake, what it comes down to. Um, so we, there's no we don't have to over-exaggerate. We don't have to be so right and wrong. Just be. 
be, be yourself. Yeah. Be compassionate, be understanding when you offend people, be there to have that conversation. Like, I think what kind of what you're saying before too, is like, I think that's one other thing that makes our society that is we can't share our emotions or explain our emotions with each other. If we don't understand them ourselves, like I didn't understand my emotions. And when I was feeling different ways until honestly, the last couple of years, I didn't really understand that. Oh, I'm depressed right now. Oh, I'm really anxious right now. Like you have to be emotionally aware to be able to share that with others. And I can definitely agree in that respect, especially over the last couple of years, like just kind of paying a little bit more attention. Right. And observing a lot more. That brings up a question that I, I was thinking of is it's like, do you guys notice any like common themes in your depressions or your anxieties? Whether it's the pattern they go in or what causes them or triggers, like I think I need to be more self-reflective on those. I I feel like I write a lot, but then I forget what I my problem is after I write it down because it's on my brain. I don't need to think about it at that point. But I'm still I still feel that way once I'm done writing it, you know? Yeah. But it's, it's usually always when I'm trying something new or a big change happens, like moving or anything like that, you know, it's frantic in my mind. It's hard to wrap my mind around all the things that need to be done. And I just get overwhelmed. I overwhelm myself that triggers with the things that aren't important. Yeah. And then I would say what's consistent with my patterns is that I tend to feel the more depressive moments when I'm not feeling 100% myself, whether that's me having a migraine, me having any other illness, or me having any soreness of a result of an incident per se, where especially when I'm not feeling 100% that I am like, I feel like my body is self-consciously trying to always be at a hundred percent, but then it's that feeling of recognizing that gap between where you are currently and that hundred percent, knowing what you normally can do and are, and knowing that you're not like that right now. It's interesting what you said about the expressing yourself as part of that, um, Cause that's one thing that I've heard recently that helps with like depression and things like that is if you express yourself, like, right. Do art like that will help pull you out of your depression because you're expressing yourself. You're being you, you know what I mean? Like you're not comfortable because you're not in your skin, get in your skin, be you express be yourself. I feel like a lot of people associate depression with just a feeling of not progressing of not, moving forward. So if you're not using your creative energy, every human has creative energy and needs a level of a creative outlet. Because if you're not utilizing this creative energy, then you're just, you feel like you're in a monogamous pattern. And especially feel like I have a lot of friends that if they feel like they're in a monogamous pattern, that really depresses them because they don't want to be in a monogamous pattern. They want to be in something that's consistently growing. It goes back to the analogy of you all, you want to be the hamster 
that's spinning the wheel, but recognize that you got to get out of that wheel to go get the food. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where too is like, they can have the anxiety from that, from that aspect of trying to move forward like that. But it's like, I think I lost where I was going with that. (laughs) Especially in the cases that they feel like they're trapped and they feel like they have no control, that they have no ability to make any decisions that can help them in their situation because they have, they have exhausted all of the thought in trying. They've tried in the past. It didn't work. They're locked. That's right. That's what I was going to say too, is like some have the anxiety of having a standard because I'm that same way. I don't like doing the same thing all the time. I don't like a job where I'm doing the same thing every day. That causes me depression, but some people need that standardization. Some people need that know what they're doing, what they're getting into every day. Otherwise that gives them anxiety because mm-hmm. they need to know they need that structure. So, you know what I mean? Different people, different, different strokes, different folks. <laughs> We said that on the other one and I, when I was listening through and it just made me laugh so hard because I hadn't heard that phrase in so long, but then (laughs) I thought about what that phrase actually means at the heart of it and how inappropriate it is. Different folks, different, different, different different strokes for different folks. I guess it depends how you interpret it too. I was just waiting. I was, I was like, do you really want me to do it? Like, see, I always kind of, I don't know why I relate it, but I always think of different strokes, <laughs> like the TV show. And I think of that quote. Now, when you, when you said it the other day, that's, I, I, I laughed because that's the vision that, and because we were talking about pleasing why people. You, why do you think about <laughs> golf? You take strokes in golf, different. I, I just tried to like deep dive into it in my head just a second ago. I'm thinking like paintbrushes. Yeah, that's true too. Different, different strokes, paint strokes. Different yeah. How does paintbrushes have to do with? That's a stroke. When you when you run a paintbrush. Yes, across? that yeah yes that is a stroke. But like in the context of like making people happy. Well, no, it's saying that different people enjoy different things. That's what that kind of quote means. So it's like from that context, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the context people. we were using it was not that. Oh, okay. Because we were in in association of like you have to tailor tailor yourself to the customer, like it was in the previous. Mm, okay, I think I was too say maybe just like don't treat every customer the same. I don't know, same kind of concept. Everybody's different. Everybody's a unique yeah. butterfly. At the end of the day, absolutely, and that's what and that, but that and that's what that's what it is. Like different people function differently, code differently, interpret differently like mm-hmm. that's why we're all different even twins that's part of being human you may look the same but you're not the same person right but we all go through our they've been dealing with the same thing since the philosopher's times you know back then we all get anxious once in a while we all get depressed once mm-hmm. in a while we all are happy once it's just in a while. it's a natural human emotion right you have to embrace it while you're in it because you're not always going to be depressed you're not no. always going to be happy you're not always going to be anxious like it is kind of what it is. And like, that's where too, I think anxiety, at least one way I've learned to use anxiety is I feel like that's what hones my ability to, to make good, like art and carpentry and craftsman stuff is because I'm so anxious about screwing it up 
that I'm really fine detailed about the things that I do. So it makes me really hone myself in because of my anxieties of failing. So it's, it's all like about I, how you correlate these things. Right. But also at the same time, who determines if you fail? Me. And that's Not your own interpretation. Critic. Yeah. It's, it's the you decisions could, I make. You could be someone that has a hundred prints and you love making them and you haven't sold one of them and you love doing it. So you, you're satisfied, but you talk to like a rational business person and they're like, got a hundred things you could be selling and you're not selling them. Like what's wrong with you? Right. Or if they're not selling, why are you still doing it? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, that it makes like, you like why Don't are you continuing it. to put energy into something that's not making you money? One of my friends helped correct me on that too. Cause I used to say that about my art. I was like, my art's bad. I don't like my art's bad. And she's like, your art's not bad. Art's never bad. It's just not up to the standard that you feel like you can do. It's mm -hmm. not up to the potential that you can do. And that's where I think it's too. It's, it's past experiences. I know the quality of woodworking I could do. I know what crick standards of like a finished wood product is. So if my next project doesn't meet that and there's gaps, edges hanging over and there's nails hanging out and there's that doesn't meet the standard that I've created myself over the years. You know what I mean? Of no. my expertise. And that's, and that's not a reputation that you want to hold right? for shoddy work like that. Right. But there's the balance too, because it's, I've learned to do the opposite with my art where I can appreciate my art for more what it is than what it could be like. You know what I mean? And depending on what it is, like a sculpture is a lot different than an object. Mm -hmm. When you can always expand on it too. Like I could, like any of my drawings, they, some of them start as a drawing in a sketchbook and then they turn into a character for an anime or they turn into a grander project. So it's like, you can always come back to stuff just because you don't want to do it right now. Don't mean you have to get all upset about it. No, oh, I'm a failure because I didn't finish that. It's like, are you dead yet? You can still finish it. You can still come back to it. Who Art said it's never can? finished? It's only abandoned. Right. It's you like know. we were we were eating lunch back when I was in uh, college, and my buddies we were they were uh, they were drawing. It was like just drawing, and uh, they probably went through like four or five, maybe seven different sketches, and he and like every single one of them, like they would start with like a figure or like a shape. And every single time they would either end as Sonic the Hedgehog or an ice cream cone. <laughs> and a couple of Tell times the they birds. were some combination of the two. And then one of them was a chicken fox. Nice. <laughs> some people do that with their art career. Like there's one person who does dog people, I think it is. Like him and his wife. They're renowned artists. But every single piece they do are these dog people. Just different versions of dog people. Like people, so like as dogs, humanoid <laughs> dogs and like dog humanoids. I think it's like a dog on a human body type thing. And it's just that's what they do. That's what they've specialized. That's what they everything that they do will always have that. And for them, they love it. For me, that would be I was gonna say, do what you love. No. Sometimes you don't have control of that, though. Like a lot of times when I draw, no matter what it is, somehow it ends up with a beak on it. Right. Everything. Right. 
Yeah, mine's frogs. I always frogs were clearly you were never attacked as a child <laughs> by these geese with their beaks. That was terrifying. Maybe you associate... I heard about the Canadian geese. <laughs> Maybe you just Dude, associate I... with birds and like you want to soar and you want to be free and you want to like you can't get out of the like you embody the bird that's your spirit animal. I was driving through my parking lot when I was living in a, an apartment like a handful of years back and driving through the parking lot, I almost hit a Canadian goose and they're protected. So like if I did, I'd have been in trouble, but like, I'm just driving and this goose literally flew right in front of my car. It's like, they're the ones that are at fault. Not me. You was trying to do an insurance right? scam. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> trying to collect, trying to collect. Yeah. You don't even hit him. He yeah, just right. falls over on his back. God, like, oh. It's the third <laughs> time that stupid duck has gotten me this week. <laughs> right. <laughs> they must <laughs> be struggling. <laughs> I got Allstate. Darn it. Uh, the dude from Allstate. We have no paid sponsorships in this episode. <laughs> we want to tell you that no ducks were extremely <laughs> harmed in the making of this commercial. But they were harmed. Right. Right after the commercial, he tripped and fell down some stairs, but not during the commercial. Just so that people have their security. Mm-hmm. That's another thing, too. Is like I, I told uh, I was talking to a doctor when I get, got a weird bite on my foot. And I was like, yeah, I don't I don't have medical insurance. And she like got all wide eyed. She's like, well, that's got to be pretty scary. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> I've done it for years now, you know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah, uh, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> right. It's like I, I said the same to my mom and she got a little scared for me. Mm. I think I think it's because they associate with what's going on right now with like knock on wood, worst case scenario, you end up in a hospital. And if you don't have health insurance, it's the most expensive hotel you can stay in. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna be paying for it for a good chunk of the rest of your life well unless you just don't pay for it for seven years and then just escape the medical debt yeah there's a process <laughs> you got to wait for it to go to collections first though mm-hmm, then the seven yeah. years starts exactly seven years to get rid of a hundred two hundred thousand dollars whatever you want to charge me because we've inflated the price of our insurance yeah. we're not the average joe could even pay for that how long and- does it take them to make a hundred thousand dollars the average like the average wage is under like 50 I mean you walk through the hospital door like that automatic sliding glass door mm-hmm. and they, they hit you with a six figure bill right there suppose they don't have one of those witnessing like, their door on there so you don't have to like pay put for a dollar in to go through the door <laughs> right yeah literally <laughs> and it's crazy that it that i mean it's all just borrowed debt mhm that, that does give me anxiety cuz i i've broken ribs i've broken legs i've broken things like you break I do less stuff right so that, like that's one more reason i'm afraid of doing more rambunctious stuff because i don't got well i can just go get it taken care of by the doctor it's like no i'm gonna try to have to self-medicate this until it's bad enough that i need to go into the hospital so i'm gonna take less risk like it's like when it, it's like when a dog when a dog hurts itself it just consistently licks it right no nah, it's better 
I'm just gonna keep I'm just gonna keep licking it until eventually the pain stops and then something else is gonna take my attention that I'm gonna go run and it's gonna oh I forgot that I had a broken leg. I was gonna say I yeah, can see no, the that's bone. supposed to be yellow. <laughs> what it was I think it was an episode of uh Family Guy where where Brian injured himself. He's like, oh I'm gonna have to lick this until it feels better. And he just <laughs> consistently licks it. He's just like, it's not feeling better. <laughs> oh, so I think I've had it wrong because I always associate depression with sadness. And I don't think, I think they go, oftentimes they go holding hands, but I don't think they're always the same thing. They don't always have to be associated. Like you can, something can truly make you sad. A loved one, like the death of a loved one can truly make you sad but it's how long you let those emotions last that it can like, Oh, that's unfortunate. Well, I got to go back to work. Right. It's the ones that they let it sit and it just eats at you over time that it dictates your decisions. Starts. So it's like what you said. I don't want to leave my house because my husband's no longer alive. I just want to sit here all day and wait for my time. Mm -hmm. sadness is different because sadness is like an emotional trigger where like in my experience depression is more of a worthless feeling like you your value has plummeted you know what i mean so like your value of yourself among society has plummeted and that's why you feel depressed and that can happen when you lose a loved one too because it brings in the tangibility of like how like fragile life is like you can you know we can lose our life it makes you feel less invincible you know what I mean? So I feel like it comes from the sense of just, it, you feel more worthless. You more attaching sadness. that to it shows me why when we go into a recession and a depression, they use the same terminology in an economy. We can go into an economic, oh yeah, we, we did go into depression. What's the difference between a depression and a recession? A recession is not as bad as a depression. Uh, okay, so recession is just when it goes down, depression's when it dips or something. Yeah, when it's at guess, the bottom. Yeah, when wait, wait, I think if, if if you look at it. So is sadness a recession, and then? <laughs> well, yeah, it could yeah, be. Yeah, a, a a recess is a step back, and then a depress is a step down. What you need to do when you're sad, like if you don't grieve, if you don't take that step back and give yourself that time to grieve, which I've made the mistake way too often. It's like you're going to do it at some point. You're going to grieve at some point. Do it. Don't put it off because that's going to just sit on your shoulders. You know what I mean? Like you have to be sad once in a while. You have to take that time to be human. And the people that appear that they have no emotions are the ones that just don't express them. Right. Well, that's the society. I remember doing that at my grandpa's funeral. For some reason, like I felt like I couldn't cry at the funeral. So I went in the bathroom to cry. It's like, my grandpa's dead laying in that casket. I don't think all these people around here are really going to care if I cry right now, but as like a guy and everything else like that, like, and the youngest, like in a family, whatever it was, like, I just didn't feel like I could cry in front of people. So it was just like, I'm not, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to act composed. And then I'm just going to go lose it. And it's like, no, if I lose it around other people, they can comfort me. Like everybody else is sad. Like embrace that atmosphere. Like it's okay to be sad. 
It is. That's the place to and be I, sad, right? Right. I feel like a lot of those people, because I was kind of the same way. Like I didn't want to cry at my father's funeral because I wanted to be like the strong one that other people could express their emotions and I'm here to help them, but I'm good. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about me. If anything, I'm okay worrying about you. Like he had a big impact. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it could be seen a little bit selfish, but I mean, I had my grieving and I probably because like one, I'm the oldest in the family. So it just kind of hit me a little bit sooner like before it, it it even occurred, like I knew it was an inevitable. Hmm. So you had more time to kind of go through that process and through those stages. Yeah. And I, and even, even like taking that phone call from my mom, like she was highly emotional. So I wasn't just going to be highly emotional as well. Like that's not going to help her. Like I just, I instinctually knew that I had to be the stronger one. Right. I think sometimes it is important to step up and be that stone, to be that one for people to grasp up, grasp on. But I think too, there is times when you guys just need to freaking like, it's okay to just ball into each other's arms, just collapse. Like, cause I've definitely been there too, where it's just like, everybody's just overwhelmed by emotion. That's okay. But we do, sometimes we need to be that foundation and be that rock, but allow other people, if you can do that, you also have to allow other people to be your rock. Sometimes you have to be, that's at least what I'm learning for myself is you have to be vulnerable sometimes too. You have to be able mm-hmm. to allow yourself to be sad and to open up to people like that. You don't always have to be the rock. That's what I'm learning. It's the give and take thing. Like anything else, you put it out in the universe and then somebody will come back and be that for you. Right. You just have to let them like, so there's tons of people where people wanted to be, you know, they want to be there to help you. They, that makes them feel good too. But if you're like, Oh, I can't be sad. I can never be sad. You know what I mean? You're not giving them opportunity to do something good, you know? And a rock is not always a rock. Yeah. Over time, a rock becomes less or becomes more. Yeah. You know, we can change today. We're not so dictated. We can, yeah, that's where, I, I don't know. I like that we're changing the idea of what like masculinity and what it is to be a man nowadays, because it's like a man can be emotional. A man can mm-hmm. be, you know. That's like what makes us human. Like, right that's the most that manly makes you thing. a good man right like if you're a good dad it's because you care about your family you're not going to dip out on you're not going to leave them like you're a good man because you care because you have emotions not because you're good at hiding your emotions never letting people right. know how you actually feel i don't feel like that's not a good man see i know? feel like nowadays like what dictates like a like good manly nature is having control over your emotions knowing when and when not to express exactly and, and expressing in the right motions and not expressing in the wrong in the wrong mo- in the wrong moments right being emotionally aware like understanding why you're upset and when it's okay to be upset and mad because there is times where you have to like if someone offending or is being violent towards like your significant other it's like you can stand up and you can raise your voice and you can be mm-hmm dominion that's okay like they're threatening you you know what i mean like that's fine but it's okay to stand up for yourself cut you off and trap yeah. you don't need to go bash their taillight in like and you 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 you're especially using that example like i was thinking more of like when you witness someone that's middle-aged 
per se and either like road rage or even like witnessing it at like a grocery store or even at like a gas station like the person that's just going off on Mm -hmm. the person that's like trying to help them but they're just like making it four times worse by going off on them and either they're doing it for attention or they're just doing it because that's their nature going back to kind of like the person that that you were talking about previously where they're just kind of stuck in their ways that things have always been this way for them so as soon as someone tries to do anything that's different than what they're used to or they're just gonna explode they're mm-hmm. just going to express their i don't know how this, to handle this yeah i, I don't I know how to handle like they like they basically put both hands up and they just they let their mouths speak for them mm-hmm. but those people which i'm sure they do realize they just don't care actions speak a lot louder than words have you guys ever been in a situation like that where you're just literally like your mind just doesn't know how to react or handle the situation i a handful definitely same i feel like i just babble sometimes you think you got and it all even, together and then something just goes i i, I don't know what to do here right <laughs> like, I just don't curveball yeah know where to even start like i couldn't even fathom this happening so how do i address or it? something happens and you know what you should do you just don't know if you should do it or not because you don't know what could happen or if it's your place or that's where it just goes into going with your gut because that's where it is like you can validate the reason why you don't help that stranger on the side of the road but they might actually need help and you're just you've overvalidated and you said that they don't need it but it's like they might need help ask like step outside like you don't have to you don't know if you're gonna get mugged until you're actually getting mugged yeah it's true that's 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 the part that like unless we all wear like a bulletproof vest and we all just had like the rick sanchez like and an electric field just goes out Mm -hmm. when you could make someone's day and never know it you could go out of your way and make someone's day and just never know it and you still made their day you know what i mean you changed their life you showed them that there's a glimpse of hope and humanity because you actually stepped out and did something good for them and it was just a small portion of your time because you didn't accept that fear of i could get mugged or i could this bad commitment because the world is bad place but i said that's not everybody and i made that step you know what i mean and i'm not the guy that either i don't it every time like i'm just gonna carry a gun with me at all times and like go up to homeless people to help them but, but just like hold them at gunpoint at the same i'm here to help you this is for my protection <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the reversal here's here, here's the money okay here's the, here's, right. the, here's the money don't right. you dare try something take the damn right. money <laughs> I, have a, I have a gray life <laughs> they're not even homeless they're just like a scared panic pedestrian <laughs> you better have a good day <laughs> What are you looking at? It's a baby. Smile. Smile. <laughs> a little joker ass. Did now. you just dribble at me? <laughs> I'll put are you trying to infect face. me with corona? It's <laughs> nuts to think about. And that's that's where that uh, anxiety comes in. That's that thought when you see them. It's like, oh, they could bug it. They could do this. They could do this. Because all these stories that you've heard and all this fear and all this news and like that's where i think it's too we have so many more like 
external things telling us how to think and what to be afraid of. But it's not our own life interactions that we're judging off. We're judging off all the movies we've watched. We're judging off all the news stories we've heard. We're judging off all this other stuff besides the things that just happen to us in our life. All the different mediums we've been programmed with. Right. And that's where it's like, I don't like the news because I feel like the news does that on purpose because it knows it can sell sell views by making it scary or making you afraid or making you feel like you have to watch it so that you're safe because you know what to do in those situations. And it's like, you're taking advantage of old people. You're scaring them crazy. (laughs) That goes back to what you said earlier. It is. And it goes back to what you said about what the brain wants to see. So they're going to put that on there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They know what can stir the minds of the masses of people. And that's why they're going to advertise it as the top story. They know one of the things that can stir the minds. What if there's even better one that's more compassionate that we haven't just explored yet? Like it's like monsters Inc. And majority of the time, exactly. Exactly. It's all going to be like the negative stuff, but yeah, it'd be really nice if it was just pot, like, looking like yes you got to look at the negative but you really got to look at the positive at the same time like you can't just run negative excuse me negative story after negative story after negative this many dead this this kidnapped this murdered like this you name it like you still have to talk about like the good that is happening it's when you're just constantly running these negative stories that you're just putting these people in a negative mindset Right. How are you supposed it's to believe there's any, anything positive in the world? Right. That's all you're seeing. Yeah. 20 more dead on the evening news. Like, it's just, the world is awful. Yeah, but there's a billionaire that's working towards getting people into space. Right. They don't encapsulate the whole area of the whole situation. It's like, there's a murder, there's a murder. What are we doing to decrease the murders in this county? What are we doing to do this? How are we, right. like, you know what I mean? Let's talk about the whole story as a whole and the solutions that we're doing and the positives. Like, just like myself, anything negative that's ever happened, like, this is what, when I was in a really depressive state in my teenage years, the thing that always helped me get through is I started to, like, think of everything that was, like, bad that's happened to me. And then I would keep playing out the events that happened because of that after. And it would always lead to a good one. There was always something that wouldn't happen that was good that would never happen if that one event, bad event didn't happen. And then I turned 21. And then I turned 21 and just drink all my problems away. <laughs> I don't remember anything that happens anymore. <laughs> the bottle takes it all away. Oh my God. I've been drinking since I was like 14. So <laughs> probably has some effects to it. I mean, <laughs> drinking, drinking. Yeah. Since like 17, something like that. That's really like, you know, when I started like- hanging out with you guys. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> when they say too like alcohol is a depressant you know what i mean like it's gonna lower your mood and that's where i think like it's it's those high highs and the low lows if you set your body on this pattern of when you're drinking alcohol and you're super excited and you're super confident and you're all up yeah. here well you got to meet that with just as low as a low so you're hitting these highs and you're you're digging yourself a deeper hole because you're pushing yourself to need your high and you got to spring back in the middle so it's like, if you can learn to be happy in a sober state, you know what I mean? Where like, you're okay with being this happy because you're not going to be this depressed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it kind of balances equilibrium point. Well, right. Think about like professionals that drink like 
I don't know, like a whiskey or a scotch just to like enjoy the taste. Like it'll come down to not looking for the feeling. I mean, yeah, it gives you that little bit of an edge, but enjoying the taste of what you're drinking and just like doing something productive while you're doing it. Right. Or even down in Eden, that, that's such extreme. Like one thing that helped me from taking a break from alcohol is like when I used to drink, when I started drinking, I started drinking. You know what I mean? Like once you start drinking, you don't stop. But like now taking a break from it, I was more okay with doing maybe like one mixed drink at a concert. And I was good. I felt fine. It gave me that little bit of boost to go dance, but I didn't need to keep throwing them back. I didn't need to keep chasing that dragon and trying to feel it. Like Mm -hmm. I was in that state. So I was able to just like, no, it's enough. Like it's that moderation. I find myself doing some stuff very similar that I used to have to, like I used to enjoy having like three to five beers on like an evening, an afternoon going to an evening, like just like relaxing, watching college football or hanging out with some friends. But now it's, I enjoy just having like one, maybe two drinking water between, like it's just, it's become my norm. And I feel so much better when I follow those, when I follow that procedure. Yeah. Right. Listen to your body. It tells you what, what you should and shouldn't do, mm-hmm. what you're okay with doing and how you function. But I, I, but I, and everyone's body is different. I do know some people that are just bottom of the barrel alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Like it runs in my family and stuff with alcoholism and stuff. And it's like, that's one reason why I stopped it too. Is like that next day, the day after I would drink, I was so depressed. I was mm-hmm. so just like, I couldn't turn the engine over. I couldn't do stuff. I like, mm. and I'm like, I have so much crap to do last mm-hmm. night. It's a little bit of fun. It wasn't worth not doing anything today. Now my freaking head hurts. Mm-hmm. I can't focus. My feel like stomach. Like, yeah, my zombie. I'm moving a lot off. slower. Yeah. It's like, I don't light hurts. Right. When I was young, that was fine. I didn't have anything to do really. Else than go drink the next night. So as long as I could right. by 10 o'clock, I was fine. But now it's like, yeah. I and they tell they tell you that you need um, uh, two hairs of the dog that bit you. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's definitely been those mornings and it works where you wake up, have a beer Sometimes. And, and it can knock it away. And it's, it's, it's withdrawal. That or, that or you, you, tr- you drink and it just makes it four times worse because you were already dehydrated. Now you're even more dehydrated and now you're really puking. Well, that Maybe does that's how you get back too. to that equilibrium state too, though, because you what? were super high the night before. And then the next morning you're super low and two hairs of the dog brings you back to that balance point. But that's where you get to addiction. Yeah. Because then now you're relying on that to regulate Mm -hmm. your ups and downs. And same thing I do with cannabis. Like when I'm too up and anxious, I'm smoking some weed. Or if I'm too depressed, I'm smoking some weed. So I'm using a catalyst to move me up and down the scale. But I feel like the benefit is it's like a tool. Because I've used it to do that and become more aware of it, I'm learning, slowly learning how to do it without. You know what I mean? I'm learning how to do it on my own because I'm like, I can see the signals because I don't let it overwhelm me as much. I'm not overwhelmed by my anxiety. I'm not overwhelmed by depression. I just kind of accept it. And so I can better address it. I I think that's what it boils down to is that acknowledgement and accepting it. Like you have to acknowledge it in order to accept it. 
once you accept it, you are moving on. Right. And you accept find that exists. Utilize it like a tool. Yeah. Accept it exists, but don't accept that it's permanent. You know right. what I mean? It's not going to be forever. You're not going to be depressed forever. Like, take that time to be depressed and enjoy mm-hmm. the things that you do in your depressive times. Go play your video games, go do this, things like that. But start that watch and pay attention to how long you're giving yourself to be depressed. Exactly. It's you the know? people, it's the people that escape. Yeah. Which I used to do hundred percent. I play video games for days straight. I even told that, I told that to Kev recently. I was like, cause I quit my job. And one of my biggest fears right now is that I'm not going to do anything with my time. And I'm going to sit here and play video games all the time. Like that. I don't want to do that, but there's a nagging fear in me because I've done that before where it's like, when I have free time, I'm going to. When was the last time you played a video game? I play them quite often. Like I'll play them on my tablet and stuff like that. I got you. Like when I, when I had my final days off, like when I, um, I gotta do this from time to time. And this is where I've been okay with it because I get a lot of stuff done. But like when I got done with my New York trip and my mom coming to visit that next day, I did draw for a little bit, but I just sat around and played video games. My mind was so melted. Yeah. You probably needed to decompress on mm-hmm. everything that just occurred. Right. And I wasn't hard on myself. Like a couple of times I was trying to be, I'm like, why don't you go do something? It's like, no, just chill. So, okay. Yeah. Don't be hard on self. Don't make it worse on yourself. I feel, cause that's where it is. It's like when I get hard on myself, I'm like, why am I doing that? Something else. Then I just get more depressed. I'm just more like, just tell yourself you're going to go do it once you get to level six. Right. Right. That's where right. I'm at Set, give yourself goals. Right. Yeah. And that's how I do it. I go, you can do this today, but this isn't tomorrow. I'll let you do this today. But tomorrow I need you to go do some stuff. You know what I mean? Tomorrow I need you to turn that over and go get some stuff done because you need to remember. And then, t- then tomorrow comes and you're just negotiating with yourself. Man, mm-hmm. you know what we've been through. You know we need this. But you had that conversation. Sorry. And I did that for a while, but I've had that conversation where it's like, no, I gave you yesterday for that. I'm harder on myself now. Yeah. I'm done you listening. Ha- you to have excuses. to be. You have to you be. Can only otherwise otherwise so you will be able to excuse yourself. Right. What did you say, Kev? You can only fill the tank up so much before you start overfilling it. And then mm-hmm. what good does that do? You're just excess. Yeah. It right. spills out. It doesn't just magically go into like a side compartment unless you put a Right. There's no reservoir tank. It's yeah. It's got a finite amount that you can fill in. And and that's where I feel like you need to be depressed because those days where I was like, oh, I'm not depressed. I'm just going to keep pushing through. Well, then I was kind of depressed for like four days. You know what I mean? I was like sluggishly getting some stuff done, but it was lasting longer because I wasn't embracing it like I could. It's just like what you said with anxiety, how you over overwork it in your head and it only took like 45 minutes to complete that thing and you put it off mm-hmm. for months. It's the same thing with depression. You make it so big and it'll last longer. Yep. Make it and a bigger es- deal. Especially speaking from my experience, when you're in a depressive state, you're not thinking clearly. Mm-mm. Like no. stuff happens that you don't expect. You get anxious because you don't know why they're happening. You don't know how to stop them. You don't know how to fix the problem. As a result, you're moving towards just accepting that it has happened and that there's not a whole lot you can do because it's outside of your limited knowledge per se. Or the other spectrum is to think creatively. Think, okay, it didn't work this way. 
but there's a million and a half different ways that it can work. And we just have to figure out another way. It's all about how you react. Yeah. It's just like a a complaining kid in the back seat. You could scream and yell him to shut up. You can give him a sucker to shut him up or you can have a conversation with him. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. What's got you? What's got you feeling down? Right. Or it's the same thing you do with yourself. Cause if I sit there and I pamper myself and, Oh, you can play video games and smoke all the weed you want and eat all this like junky food to make yourself feel better. Cause you deserve it because I'm, it's not, I'm enabling. Yeah. I'm enabling yep, myself in, that that's okay. And that's I can't, what it is. I can't demean myself and make myself feel bad for it either. Cause that's not a healthy route either. It's just, then you're being too hard on yourself. Right. It's like, no, I'm human. That's an aspect. And it's just that middle ground of listening to yourself (laughs) even it's like i think i saw a meme the other day of someone like it was like uh it was like two of their two of themselves like one of them being like the real version of themselves and the other version of themselves like whipping them (laughs) i like what it is you got to be your own motivator Mm -hmm. but you're you're also your own critic you're Good word for it. Motivator. <laughs> I have a, I have a drawing like that. I need to finish it. Cause I kind of like where it's going, but it's literally this like dude who's consoling this other dude. And he has, seems like it all is together. And then there's like this guy inside of him just pulling these levers rapidly. He's like, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you have it all composed and you act like you have it together. But in the reality, you're just as struggle bus as anybody else. You know, that, that brings me to another meme that I'm trying, I'm trying to remember but it was like someone that had like 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 um people have their own internal battery so someone that's like almost out of battery and then someone that has a full battery that recognizes that person is almost out of battery and plugs their battery into their battery so then that person takes a bar from their battery and moves on sounds but like children there's personality types like that siphon it yeah some people work like that where they're like they're fueled by other people's energy those are those people persons those are the persons where they're when they're feeling down they're going to go out in the town and they're going to get energized by other people and then you have other people who are kind of like me where it's like i love to go out and be with people but i need to go be alone to energize like, I love being social, but I need to go spend time by myself. That's how I energize. And it's where you draw your energy from. And like you said, when those people who are out in the town are taking that, bar, they're taking that bar of energy. You know what I mean? They're kind of like energy vampires. They're feeding off that other energy. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. So by you taking on that enjoyment, you're slightly depressing those other people. <laughs> because you're over, over like overly overly joyful and they're just you're an energy scene or an energy vacuum like we're we're not like you we're we're not like you right now man like why are you acting above us (laughs) it's like i'm here to pump you up i'm the hype man (laughs) that's right do that line they're feeling off your energy to hype you back up yeah it's a dynamic you know so we need all kinds. You need those energy, those people who can fuel it and take up that energy and keep the party going. But then you need those batteries who can go home and charge up and bring that energy to the party. It's like one of the one of one of the books that I have is uh, the Energy Bus by uh, John Gordon. Basically, like talking about like a bus full of energy that you bring to people. 
like that you uh, you always want to be the positive energy bus you don't want to be the negative energy bus the negative energy bus is just consistently bringing people down the positive energy bus is constantly bringing people to the destination it's hard to do that i mean like that's something i do like i've even had managers who have said that they're like i can tell even when you come in and like there's something bad going on in your life you're changing that out you're not showing it you're very little show. i can tell something's wrong but you're not letting that on to everybody else you know what i mean and it's like that's the decision you make it's not their fault that i'm going through some crap right now they didn't do this to me so why no. am i bringing them down more they're just enabling you well yeah i mean it's like if i can if i can put on that it's like jumper cables if i can put on that fake smile then maybe they can be positive and help charge me back up too or something you know i don't know like that episode of Family Guy where he puts the on his nipples. Is this good enough for you? <laughs> I do this for you. I need a little jump from time to time and some nipple clamps. Hey, you were you were you were saying uh, earlier that you're like people like me that like or people that like get abused by the woman like we're just looked at as like less than male i was gonna say like uh no there's actually just a, a sexual term for you guys we just they just class you classify you guys in a completely different category now <laughs> that person gets a fix off it right well yeah there are some people like i was talking about this with um about like sexuality the other day and we were talking about uh with one of my friends and it was like that's an interesting dynamic because like you have like there's females who are more masculine, even in like heterosexual relationships where they take on the dominant man like mm -hmm. type role. And there's a heterosexual female or male who's subservient and things like that. Like that's where I think it literally is. It's just like, it's a, a mentality that you bring to it. Like, I believe like that as well. Masculinity and femininity. It's which one shows more in you or which one's more of the higher. Yeah. And I feel like nowadays you have the couples that they're on equal footing. So like not one is stronger than the other. And then right. one is stronger than the other. The other has accepted that the other is stronger than the other and how they have accepted it is how you see how it affects them. And I wouldn't even say it's stronger in my opinion, because I feel like it's, it's domineering because you need, like in that, it's, it's the mom and dad mentality. You have this aggressive, rock solid, don't take shit, da da da, and this emotionally caring person. That's why they say every like household, you need a mom and a dad. You need that femininity and you need that masculinity. And so it's like both have their strengths, both have their powers in different areas, and you need the balance of both, you know? And that's why everybody, for the most part, has some form of masculinity and femininity in them because. You know, you had that influence growing up from both parents. Unless you're a narcissist Sometimes. or a serial killer. Yeah. Right. And yeah, we had them, I feel like. two of each. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Two that's where yeah, being in a relationship that works. That could be. And it's unfortunate that that does exist, that you have a narcissistic mother and father that they just bring the worst out of their mm -hmm. offspring. Well, I mean, like, if you have two masculine parents, you bring up, like, the serial killer. And if you have two feminine parents, you bring up the narcissist. Because you're always so caring. It's all about you. It's all about you. So that's the mentality. It's planted. 
right the masculine the is, you shouldn't have any emotions quit being such a pansy yep suppress 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 yeah until it explodes and that's where i do think we like are progressing in society because we're realizing that we're realizing you need that emotional aspect you need that healthy that balance care and compassion but you also need to stand up for what's right you, know, you need to take charge you need to you know take the lead when you need to take the lead or say what's on your mind but also be emotionally considered of how that makes other people feel at the same time yeah just accept that it's not just you in this world no and that there's many other people that it's not just them either right and don't take and just because you feel a way doesn't mean somebody else will yeah and at the end and that's why we're here to communicate with others and to help others right learn from others and let them learn from you and like be honest Mm -hmm. about how you feel and your emotions don't broadcast them on people because you can put them in a depressive state but when it comes up don't be afraid to talk about how you feel and don't be afraid to talk about with yourself how you feel i find myself having to do that often maybe i maybe i just i associate with a lot of people that have negative views but i sometimes it can be a struggle when you spend as much time with these people that you're not typically like that so you kind of have to bring yourself down to their level so that you can relate and associate with them but you don't want to stay down at that level too long because you don't want it to bleed over into you at your normal level i i can't even i've learned i can't really be around people like that like that negativity is so draining like people who are always focusing on like what is wrong and what's aspect and what's this and what's negative and it's like it literally it's it's depressing (laughs) it is it is and to each their own just because you make the decision to turn some turn your back on someone doesn't mean that someone else also hasn't or also has or no doesn't also doesn't mean that someone also hasn't well that's where i don't turn my back on it but i can't you have a certain amount of time because like you said you you can be that positivity you can teach them another way of thinking so i said instead of you know like you said maybe not try to be so come down to their level and be negative but just be your positive self and influence them in that way but it's try to bring them up to your level right lead by example but just i can't spend too much time because like you said i'll fall into their trap to each their own you can depending on your situation Sometimes if you're at a higher level than someone is, there's a difference and a noticeable difference. So it comes down to knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to, knowing how to talk to them. What's the how to also listen to them? What's the benefit to being negative along with them, though? Like living in that negative, giving them, giving them someone they can relate to. But is that Are you justifying their negativity then? Right. I, I wouldn't say you're justifying it, but you're um, expressing that you understand it. Okay. You are, you are enabling it though. If you're saying that's like, you know what I mean? Like if you're, it's like when you laugh at a sexist or this is at least how my opinion is. It's like when you laugh at a sexist joke, you know what I mean? That's you being kind of sexist because you're enabling and not saying, Hey, like, why'd you say that? That's not, you know, kind of right. It's like, you're saying that that behavior is kind of like, 
acceptable, which who is to say the or is wrong? But I you know. could both laugh and say that's really effed up. Yeah, but that's still teaching them that the shock factor is worth it. You know what I mean? They're still going to say those things because. But then they go say it to someone that they don't get that response. That's true. But that that person. So it's almost know. like you set them up. Yeah. Yeah. Teach their own. Right. I look at it as I can't completely turn my back on these people because they already feel like a lot of people have. Right. No, I totally get where you're coming from. It's yeah. It's it's another way to listen to somebody right. to let them vent themselves to you. Mm-hmm. And it gives me practice that I want to try to be able to help as many people that want my help. And I want to know how I can adapt to as many people that I'm trying to help. That's how you learn to understand the people and where they're coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think it's at. That's that balance is it's like that adaptation, you know, but we're leading by example. So it's like, we, that's, that's the hard thing because it's the same thing people say about this. It's like, I don't want to market to a house of mirrors with our podcast. I want to reach the people that may not normally question thing or may not normally think that way. So you have to make it approachable, but we still have to stand by our convictions. Right. So we have to make it palatable to them, but influence them by being who we are at the same time. Give them what they like but don't spoon feed it to them let them eat it themselves and don't shower and them choose with it. how they eat it and where and why well you make it an energy too where like it's kind of like a cat where it's like if you go try to pet a cat it's going to run away from you but the moment that you go and like just ignore him yeah. and you're sitting on your own they're going to come right up to you because you're yep. not giving them any attention so mm-hmm. it's like you just go do your thing over in this corner and make it so awesome. Then they're like, oh, okay, what's going on over there? Or the cat knows you and it comes right up to you and you're just like, hey, it's been a long while. How you doing? And that's what even because my friend's cat doesn't even do that to me. Every time that like it gets like, I don't see it for a while and come see it. It's like, doesn't want anything to do with me at first. And then after like a day, it's like warmed up and love me. But I have to like give it its space and let it come to me and then it's like oh yeah it's you your cat has learned a lot from its owner yeah or influences in its home yeah if you're reminded of a cucumber you're right (laughs) yeah i am very cucumber shaped (laughs) i mean have you seen that head right (laughs) i'll go as larry for halloween I mean, I look behind me and I see that head and I run too. Especially with the eyeliner on. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? What is this ghostly figure? That's what I, when I, especially when I used to do, like dress more punk and wear a lot of black all the time. I remember a couple times being in the parking lot and my battery's dead and trying to get someone to jump my car. <laughs> people you like, start to walk up. Oh, hey, excuse me. Oh God. Oh, he's still there. He's following me. I'd get people who would not say a word to me, get in their car and close their door. Yep. Like, just like I was about to murder these people. And, but I'm someone who every time that I hear that kick, 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 I'm going around looking at my jumper cables because I know someone's stuck. It's usually at the movie theater, but like, I know how it is to be stuck there and mm-hmm. 
no one wants to help you with your battery. And sometimes not everyone carries jumper, jumper cables. I, I have jumper cables in my car, but not sometimes not everyone does. And even if you don't, but you can still offer your help. Or even because, yeah, I've def- I don't have jumper cables. I've, I've don't been that person. Run away. <laughs> yeah. Like, I definitely try to make it a point. Like, if I see someone that's, str- if, I, if I see someone that's like struggling, I try to go over there and say, hey, how, like, <clears throat> what's the, like, like, what, like, 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 what's the issue? Is there any way I can help? Because I don't mind offering my car for a jump. I've had to get jumped several times that it's karma that I will help you. Yep. Same. And that's why I carry jumper cable. I mean, it's a good habit too, just in case you're mm-hmm. guys too, but it's a good habit just have jumper cables on you, you know? That's what it is. Just give them the time of day. You don't have to even help them. Just hear someone out. You know what I mean? Don't judge automatically. And I, I do the same thing. I've caught myself doing the same or like with people begging for money and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's just like you have this preset like expectation for what's going to happen that stops you from acting. It's like, right. It's like a preset notion of, you know, exactly what the whole situation is, mm-hmm. but in reality, you only know about a scratch of the surface. Yep. What that, what they're presenting. It's that anxiety where you let it snowball into this bigger concept mm-hmm. and played out the whole scenario you had in the matter of seconds. You know what I mean? Like it's a matter of seconds. Somebody said, excuse me. And you've got this whole mm-hmm. storybook painted. And that could also go back to just how we were brought up, like the li- like the lifestyle that our parents brought us up in, like trying to teach us like how to not end up as someone that is a detriment to society rather than someone that helps it. Yeah. And they always just painted the picture as that person's a bad person. That person made terrible decisions. You don't want to end up like that person. Mm-hmm. Re- in reality this person could have had something happen to them that was completely outside of their control and they just kind of accept that there's nothing that they can do about it or they are actively trying to do something about it you just don't know what that is because, because they're spending all of their waking moments trying to get themselves into a better situation yeah right. it's media who painted that picture because it's the same thing with tattoos like tattoos in our generation is something that's been kind of mm-hmm. acceptable it was if you had a tattoo oh you were a bad person you yeah you're you got a bad edge and, yeah like probably part like, of a gang right yeah yep that person's part of a gang exactly you know? i think that's what my grandma said way back in the day about <laughs> tattoos my grandpa always said about piercings he's like if god wanted a hole there he'd have put one there <laughs> It's like now I've got I can three piercings. <laughs> I can I can definitely I can definitely hear a grandfather saying that. Right. And it's it's every generation though. I mean, even my great grandma said that my dad was the spawn of Satan because he was left-handed. Oh man. That's the difference, man. Like, she think about way right back hand. in those days, everyone was right-handed. There mm-hmm. is more. Yeah of a left-handed population because we're at a billion people now, but well, well no. not only that, but it's more acceptable yes. to be left-handed. They used to, they would if force you were exactly. So there's a lot of people who don't even know that they're left-handers who were forced since they were kids to be right-handers. 
So they're just terrible with their right hand because they're naturally left-handed, but they were like, literally they would like nuns would smack you with rulers. If you were using your left hand. Yeah. Like way back in the day, not even way back. Like it's not, I don't think it's that. I think it's like seventies. Like that. Was I think our parents 70s, were getting 80s. their hands slapped with yeah. rulers. Yeah. And that's right around the seventies, eighties era. If you so went to a like, Christian or like interesting, a interesting. Catholic Catholic school or Christian school, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Whipping kids with belts. And like the parents loved it too. He's like, yeah, you teach him. <laughs> you show him. Yeah. <laughs> he said, what? Oh, you should hit him twice. Like, Probably because they relate like what the experience was that they went through when they were there, when they were younger. And they're just every generation for, until the dawn of time, until the end of time is going to say my generation had it harder than your generation right? because the new generation is always evolving, always getting new things. Mm-hmm. We're always going to say our generation had it tougher than this new generation that has all this technology and stuff at their fingertips. When they got this it so easy, generation is going to say we had it so much harder than your generation when we had to go and get our technology, and this generation has it embedded in you. See, I've had some people like around the sixty-year-old age that have been saying that they actually like feel bad for us like they think that we have it harder because of the life of social media and stuff like that like and yes, they're recognizing is... the hardships that we have because of the technology that we've created like in the situation that we've put ourselves in now and that is one one side yes that some people and it's mostly the people that are fearful of the internet age that feel bad for us going through the internet age because they fear it like this is the spawn of satan like like you said like this is just the worst of the worst it's so it's so alien and so foreign to them but to us it's just a normal tuesday that's me <laughs> i'll take the title worst generation any day right. one piece made me like wanna, i think social media i know take that. <laughs> one 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 piece labeling like the generation and it's just so ironic because i really do think that they are talking about like the millennials with like when in in relation to the worst generation on on that show yeah i really i really really think they're talking about millennials because we will always be looked at as the worst generation because we're that bridge generation that we learned that it's acceptable and encouraged to ask questions the generation before us didn't ask as many questions and the question and the the generation after us is are asking more questions to where they're appearing weak because they're asking questions for questions it's frowned upon to question the status quo right like you're not supposed to do that well and i don't get to how you can be so upset with the younger generation when you're the ones who train them, mm-hmm. like who else right. do you have to blame right. for the situation that they're in than the ones who just spent the last 20 years putting them in that situation? Like, how do you just, oh, well, think, it sucks to be you guys now. And I think that's <laughs> why a lot of the newer generations, like less generation, like less of the newer generation are having children because mm-hmm. they don't want, like they see the pattern and they don't want to continue the pattern. But then we're not at that point where we can just create artificial life. 
Right. But even that, like you're, I feel like if you're aware of that, if you're aware of the flaws and things like that, you have the ability then to change the cycle. You have the ability, like, and I guess you don't need to have kids. You can still be an influence and do things to Mm -hmm. influence other people's kids. But it's like, I don't know, like spend that one one on time, create another one of you that has your similar thought and that evolves, that mentality evolves. So if you can understand that and you can have a kid that you can teach that and they can evolve that idea, that's how we're going to get somewhere. We're not going to get somewhere by saying, well, I understand this. So I'm just going to stop. That or or you have a child that just absolutely hates your ideals and becomes a serial killer. Right. And that's again, that's that just anxiety and rolling dice. That's a possibility. It's not what's going to, doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it could, you know? It's so weird. At the age of one, his favorite movie was right. Freddy versus Jason. It's just odd. Yeah. He likes to po- he likes to point out the different like methods. Like he's he, he's quite cognizant for his age. That's where it's like my mom would have scared like that. Like I broke her first rib and my brother stabbed her with a knife. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we were, and these were, we were young, like we were like toddler age, and like, like intentionally. I don't know my brother's excuse. I really, that story is kind of weird to me. Mine, I was like running up to like, I was like Superman, and I was like running up like around the house, like Superman. Oh, and you ran right into her, and like my rib, like split or my knuckle split her rib and like oh. cracked it. And then, yeah, I think my brother just like straight up like stabbed it with a knife, but he. They always thought he was a demon child growing up. <laughs> like so many people, like so many aunts and uncles and different people would just call him the demon child because he was always. I am some understanding kind of your family's dynamic a little mm-hmm. bit more. So maybe who I am today. <laughs> he, he was, he was, he was always looked at as like, and because he like, he, he was into the heavy metal and he was into like the, like the goth things. He wore like, chains on his pants well he, well he tormented me all the time too like i was literally like there was always something that he was like burning my chest with a wire like it made me stick my finger down my throat at my grandma's house and count to six and like that was the last time she ever watched us as like a, she never watched my brother again like that was it that was the final draw but yeah i was always like his plaything for entertainment and it was like yeah they're like, their people were like, I'm surprised that you made it. <laughs> Took a lot of resilience. Mm-hmm. But maybe tell you know what I mean? Like, I, we are who we are because of the life that we live. Like, yeah. I want to change it for the world because it gives you that understanding and expectation. It's the same thing with like the depressive things that you think about that it's like, oh, woe is me. Like, my childhood was like this and it wasn't perfect, but it's like that gave you a step up of resiliency for the world. You know what I mean? And it allows you to see and handle the world in a different way. You know, personal, personalize it. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, just because you went through a traumatizing experience doesn't mean that you have to always for the rest of your life be going through that traumatizing experience. Mm -hmm. You are not that experience and that experience isn't you. It happened. It happened. And what you do with it is what you are. Exactly. It's what like did you learn from it and how are you going to live with according it? to that yeah how do you apply that to the rest of your life mm-hmm. are you gonna let it dictate how you make your decisions are you gonna understand it happened and how and why it happened and then 
find different ways to go about things to make sure it doesn't happen again. Right. Like I, I think there's a um, there's an emerging pop star. I think her name is uh, Kay Kilo or something like that. But her story is that she was kidnapped as a as a young girl. So, and she I think she recently like came out and like talked about like that experience. But you think about someone that like goes through an experience like that, like you got kidnapped and you didn't really know like what was going to happen with your life. Thankfully, you were found and thankfully you got your life back. Some people don't. Right. And yeah. the ones that have gone through a strife like that have literally put adversity in the rear view mirror and just marched forward. Some people, yeah. And some, some people are still there. They're still trapped in that cellar in their mind. But the and ones that have marched forward have, accept, have achieved and done good things. And they're not letting, like... They realize life is fragile. Right. And they, make the and most they, out yeah, of it well, while you've exactly. got it. They both realize that life is fragile. One yeah. said and, life is fragile, so I'm going to hide away so I didn't get hurt. Once and one life said, is fragile, I'm going to die any day. So I better go out and do the things that I want to get done. Yes. You know what I mean? It's that choice. It's, it's that, that difference in mindset. And it's like, and I've had to even go with it myself before. I, I literally did the same. When I first moved to Colorado, I was very like hermit, stayed in my house. It was safe in there. And now I'm working on my art projects and my books and my things like that, because now death is a motivator. The fact that I could just lose it any day is that's my driving force. You better get some stuff done. Like, you know. It's how we use those fears. It's how we direct that. Same thing with depression, same thing with anxiety. They're a part of us. We can control how we use them and how they're utilized. Even happiness. You can you can do negative, terrible things to people that make you happy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you could just ruin people's day and be happy. And you're like, oh, well, I'm happy, so I should keep doing this. And it's like, you know, that doesn't make it right. It doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Like, you know. I think it just comes down to the reasons that people achieve that happiness. Right. Understand your actions affect others just as others affect you. Yep. Deal with your stuff. Don't suppress it. Don't overlook it. Don't deny it. You are your emotions. Your emotions are you. Take control of them. Don't try to separate. Embrace and learn how to utilize. Learn from it. Don't let it dictate you.